Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Would you believe it? It's just the one day away. And as Pastor Murray was saying, I remember standing here before the worship service and making announcement we have 180 days till the Passover and then we you know it was 68 days as we move along now it's just the one day away just exactly one day away and as a God's people when you look back of all the holidays that mankind celebrates on this planet and there are many holidays but it's just this one particular God's holy day that would go along thousands of years back. And God's people were observing and keeping these holy days for thousands of thousands of years. And it's what a nice feeling that we will do the same thing exactly at the same time. We'll gather here tomorrow evening. And we know from the scripture how important is this day for God. It's a very important day for God. And I hope that we realize how important is this day for you and me. And just to start, I would like you to open your Bible in the book of Numbers. I want to show you how important is this day for God. If you open your Bible in Numbers chapter 9, book of Numbers chapter 9, and right here in verse 9, God would say, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If any one of you, of your posterity, is unclean because of a corpse, or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. So what God is saying here, there are two things that you can, that you actually, you can do, and then you can participate in God's Passover. Number one, it's uncleanness when you touch the dead body. And we know that in our society, that is part of life. Anybody from a close family can die any single moment. And sometimes we are forced to touch the dead body, whether we like it or not. That was in the Old Testament, right? So God says, if you do this thing, you can participate on this day. I'll give you another day. It will be exactly a month later. The another was if you're traveling. It's not that you pick and choose to travel at this day. It was basically that sometimes you're coming back, or because of a death of family that you need to travel. When you were away, or let's say but the bad weather was holding you for a week, you couldn't get home right at the time. God is saying, I will give you another day, so we have to keep this holiday a month later. That's how important it is. Verse 13. But the man who is clean and is not on a journey and ceases to keep the Passover, the same person shall be cut off from among his, his people, because he did not bring the offering of the Lord at his appointed time. Look how serious it is. There is no excuses because you're through laziness or neglect. You don't keep the God's Passover. So this holiday is serious for God. And I hope this holiday is also very serious for us. And always at this time of the year, as you know, being in church for over 15 years, I remember we always have discussions. We always have debate. Why do we keep it, like, let's, let's say this year, why do we keep it on Sunday? When you will look at your calendar on your fridge or anywhere you may have it, you will notice that it will be Passover right there on Tuesday. 
We keep it Sunday night. The Passover is on Tuesday. And there is always great discussion and debate. When should we keep it that Passover? Who is right and who is wrong? Should we at the early hours of 14? Should we in the middle of the day? It doesn't matter. Or maybe we should keep it on Monday evening, just like the rest of the Jews do. And many Christians, Sabbath-keeping Christians, switching to keep the Passover on the Monday night, which is coming this year. Why is it like that? Who is right? Who is wrong? But the most important question we should ask, what God has to say about it? What does the Bible say about which day, which day we're supposed to keep? So brethren, what we will do today, I'll show you exactly, we'll go to the Bible stories. And I want, to show, I want to show you exactly that we actually have the right day. That we keep the Lord's Passover at the proper day. So what we do first, first we'll go to the New Testament. And I'll show you some scriptures pertaining to, last, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the Passover, what Christ did in the New Testament. Then we'll go to the Old Testament and then we'll study the Exodus chapter 12 for a bit. Not for long, to show you the same timeline. Then after that, we'll go to the book of Genesis, and we'll talk about the covenant that God made with Abram. And at the end, I will show you some Jewish sources, serious sources. What do they say about this feast, and why there is such a confusion when it comes to the Passover? And then at the end, we'll bring it together and see who is right in all this discussion, all this debate. So let's go to the New Testament first. And I'm not going to spend too much time in the New Testament here, because we cover it. Two weeks ago, when you know I was speaking about the sign of Jonah, some of you might remember, right, the exact timing what happened, and what is such a big problem interpret the scripture? It's because the most Christians keep the Easter; they think that Christ was crucified on Friday and he was resurrected on Sunday. They forget that there are two God's Sabbaths in between Christ, Christ's death and Christ's resurrection, and that's why it's so confused when they talk about the preparation day. They think that Preparation Day is just before the weekly Sabbath, which is actually the opposite way. So if you go to John chapter 19, just to remind you, just to refresh your mind, what we covered two weeks ago. If you go to John chapter 19, and right there in verse 31 it says, John is very specific when it comes to the dates. He says, Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, and he specifically says, for that Sabbath was a high day. So it was just before the high Sabbath would be the first day of leavened bread. That's what Christ was crucified. So, just put it all together that we covered a few weeks ago, right? So, remember what I give you a timeline, what happened and when. So just before, right at the beginning of the 14th of Nisan, or Abib, that's what Christ said last supper with his disciples. That was exactly at the same hour. And you can go and check and look what happened, right? That was exactly at the beginning of 14, which would happen on Tuesday evening. After he had supper with his disciples, remember we said he was, he was betrayed by Judas the same night. And then during the night hours, he was, he was kind of interrogated by high priests. And during the day, he was condemned by Pilate. And later... He was crucified. That was the Passover day. Exactly on the Passover day during, during, the, during the day hour. So, he was, he was crucified by the third hour, which would be in the morning, and he died on the cross. Not on the nine hours, which correspond to our three o'clock, something like that, in the afternoon. That was 
Passover day. So he was put in the, in the grave, in the tomb, just right before the sunset, just right before the Thursday night, the Thursday day, which was to be the first day of unleavened bread, which is give us exactly the Thursday, as the turning was approached, as the Wednesday was, Wednesday was coming to an end, and at, at evening, the Thursday started, which was the first day of unleavened bread. So we all know the story. We all remember what we covered last week, right? And then would be the regular day, after the first day of unleavened bread, would be the Friday, and that's where you see the women, when they went and bought spices, and they prepared them, and because there was so much to prepare, we're talking about 70 to 100 pounds of spices, and all kinds of different perfumes to prepare to anoint the dead body. It was lots of work. And it says in the scriptures that, you know, they rested according to the Sabbath, because there was so much work, and then came the regular weekly Sabbath, it came on Saturday, regular weekly Sabbath, they rested according, according to, the, to, to the commandment, and when they went to the grave, the next morning, on Sunday morning, guess what happened? Christ wasn't there. So Christ was already resurrected. And I will show you in the scriptures that Christ was actually resurrected just right at the end of the Sabbath day, during the Sabbath day, which is correspond to A.B. 17. That's the date on the Hebrew calendar. So I'm not going to spend too much time because that's something that we covered two weeks ago, so we should, you should probably remember, right? Still have in your mind. So let's move on. Now... The another questions and debate that comes to Lord's Passover, it's also a big one. Some people say that we shouldn't call it Passover because that was not actually the Passover day. It's okay to call it the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper, whatever you want. He says, it couldn't be Passover because if it was the Passover, Christ had to die at the same time when the sacrificial lamb was sacrificed. So let's see in the scripture. So they said that Christ had the Passover the day before the Passover. He had his, you know, his meal with his disciples. That's what some people claim. It was day before the Passover. Let's look at the scripture and see if we cannot find even single one evidence that would support that theory, okay? Let's start with Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Let's see what, what Matthew has to write about it. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew, 20, Matthew 26 and verse 17. Look what Matthew is writing. Just keep in mind that, you know, some people say that he ate his supper day before the Passover, okay? Verse, six, verse 17. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciple came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? It's exact terminology. They say, where well, we can eat it, or they were objected how are we going to eat it? We just take before the Passover, okay? No, and I would say the opposite. If you think that that's happened the day before, I would say when you read this one verse, you would say it happened day later. If you want to be exact. Because it says, no, no, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they asked him on the first day, so I guess Passover was over by the time. So, it just doesn't make any sense. If you go to Mark, let's go to Mark. Mark chapter 14. And in verse 12, it's almost the same wording. Look what, what Mark says. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, now he's a little bit more specific. When they killed the Passover lamb, where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? See, it's also specific wording. It doesn't say day before or day later. It's happening exactly. We're talking about the Passover. 
Not something before or something after. It's exactly Passover. Okay? Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 27, 22. Luke 22 and verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread. When the Passover must be killed. It's also specific. It's not the day before. When the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter, John, saying, Go, prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. There's no objections in the scriptures, no indications that anybody is objecting, like we eating the day before. Nowhere. Nowhere. And just go to verse 13. So they went and found it, just as he said to them. And they prepared, what? They prepared the Passover. When the hour, when the hour had come, not any hour, not day later, not day before. When the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. God is always on time. He never does anything early or anything too late. So, we can see there is no even one single verse in the Bible that would ever indicate that Christ ate his Passover the day before. Nowhere. If you have, show me. But I don't see anything in the Bible. And... Remember the ladies, Jessica and Caitlin, sang this wonderful song, Four Days Late, but still on time? Let me tell you, God is on time. No matter what, He's never too late, never early. God is on time. And how much God is on time, how precise God is, I will show you. Just to show you my point, that God never does anything outside His timing. Just to show you and prove my point, something miracles that happened during this holy time, which is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, okay? If you go to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. Gen- Genesis chapter 8. Remember there was a flood. Noah... And God saved Noah and his family on the ark. And after flooding the entire planet. Now at the end of the flood. And verse 3. When the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the, hundred, of the 150 days the water decreased. Verse 4. Then the ark rested. And these were rested fully, completely in a safe position, in a safe place. The ark rested. And look what it says here. In the seventh month, the seventeenth day... Of the month on the mountains of Ararat. And you will say, like, this thing doesn't relate to the Feast of Eleven Bread. But as you remember, God changed Israel's timing in the book of Exodus. And any single commentary will tell you that this seven month, just before the time they changed during the Passover, would correspond to the first month of the God's calendar, which would start right at the beginning of AD. So when the ark actually rested on Mount Ararat, that was A.B. 17, that was exactly where Christ was resurrected from the dead. The same day, the same timing, there is no confusion, no delay, no the early. Exactly at the same time, what God promised. If you don't know what I, what I mean, like, if you look at Jews today, they still keep the time by two calendars. They have the civic calendar, and they have their religious calendar. So the new year will start at the beginning of the seventh month, the civic new year. We started, you know, like, my wife was going to a 
to York University, and there were many Jewish professors there. So she would have a day off on the Feast of Trumpet, because that's when they celebrate the New Year on the civic calendar. But their religious calendar would start from April, like you now, like start this month, will be start of the, of AB will be the first month. So that's how they follow now when God changed their time. So you see, God does everything precisely to the date, to the hour, to the minute, never too late, and never too early. So let's go to Exodus chapter 12. So we covered the first point about the New Testament. If you have any questions, just write it down. Write, write it down. We can talk about it later during our fellowship. Let's, let's move to the other point. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12 and cover the Old Testament Exodus story from Exodus chapter 12. And verse 1, speaking about changing the timing, okay, for the, for the Israelites, God would say in chapter 12, verse 1, and he says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, so they would keep watching their other calendar, and he says to them, This month, he says, This month shall be your beginning of months, it shall be the first month of the year to you. So that's what God intervened and changed the calendar. He says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take, pay for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the, of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your own count for the lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and that the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Let's stop right there for a moment. This word right here, twilight, it's giving people confusion all over the place. When is this take, take place, the twilight? Is it at the beginning of 14, or is it at the end of 14? So would you follow the Jews today? So basically what they follow, they blend these two holidays together, and they put Passover and the Feast of Eleven bread together, so when they'll sit with their family and celebrate the cedar, it would actually take place on 15, not on 14. But it says here, they should kill the lamb at twilight. What is twilight? And I'm talking about the first definition of twilight, because Jews are very creative. Over the years, they try to interpret different ways so they can justify their observance, okay? What has been twilight? It's just basically a period of time when the sun sets. You can't see the suns anymore, but it's still light for about 30 to 40 minutes. And then when it's totally dark, that's called twilight. Before sun sunset and total darkness. That's twilight in the Bible. So let me suggest to you, right, just for now. We'll see if we can prove it later. That the Passover sacrifice happened at the same time when Christ was eating the meal with his disciple, which would be the, at the beginning of the 14th. You with me? No confusion? It would be at the beginning of 14. And as they would kill the lamb, as they would roast the lamb in their homes during the night period, later after midnight, the dead angel passes, passes by and kills the firstborn Egyptians. Okay, and like here, in, if you are, yeah, you are in Exodus in verse 22 at the bottom portion of this verse, it says, "And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning." So that was a command. 
If we observe the same way what the Jews do, what we would do, we'd observe the Passover on Monday. And what it means that when they kill the Passover on the same day, in afternoon hours, and they celebrate the Passover, and on 15, it's sunset, they left the Egypt, everything happened during the same night. What I would suggest, you open your Bible or go on your computer and just look at the map of Egypt during the Exodus story. And right here in verse 37, it says, when they left Egypt, I want you to... Verse 37 says, when the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, look, about 600,000 men on food besides children. 600,000 men, okay? So if you add together, people estimate there were about 2 million, between 2 and 3 million Israelites leaving Egypt. So in our mind, we can imagine the Passover story that there was a little village, and Moses came from Pharaoh, and he was just step on the hill, and he would scream, and everybody would hear him. That's how we get the message, okay? Imagine 600,000 people. There was no city, there was no town in Egypt that would hold all these people in one place, okay? How they can journey the same night, let's say they, they ate the Passover lamb the same night, they dressed, they left it at night, and they traveled for miles just to get to Ramses, because that was the starting point of the Exodus story. From Asis they left to Sukkot. And if you explain to me, show me, how is that possible in one night to accomplish all of that? I'll buy you coffee. It's logistically, it's impossible. That's a greater number than this whole town, the whole city of Burlington. So, it makes sense when they eat the lamb, wait until the morning, the burden remains in the morning, and everybody travel to the starting point which would be Ramses in Egypt. Once they get to Ramses, the night to be much observed, the first day of unleavened bread, they all leave in Ramses in the fullness of wood. That's what happened. Exactly it happened at the same time that Christ was eating his Passover with his disciples. Not early, not late, it's the same timing. So, I hope there is no confusion, brethren, when it comes to the timing, okay? And I will show you, I will show you how to support all of this too. The New Testament, the Exodus 12 chapter, and just, just before we go a little bit farther, let me emphasize the point about having two different separate holidays. Because Jews, they blur them together. They make two holidays into the one. They blended Passover with the first day of 11 bread, and that's why they separate on a different day in, the, in, your, in your calendar when you look at that at your calendar, at the posting. But look at the wording. Anywhere you go in the Old Testament, God's instructions, you will see the wording. And let's go to Leviticus chapter 23. Open your Bible in Leviticus chapter 23. And verse 4. Look how God beautifully explained to Israelites. These are the feasts of the Lord. Holy Convocation, we shall proclaim at their appointed time. Verse 5. On the 14th day of the first month, at twilight, is the Lord Passover. Is this Lord Passover is actually of the sunset of the next day, then one mention 14. Why would we mention 14 here? And it says, verse 6. On the 15th day of the same month, is the Feast of Leaven Bread. So one feast day starts on the other day, and the other feast day starts on the different day. There are two days. There is not just one blur together. There are two different days. Let's go to Numbers. And you can go to other scriptures. i just give you just three or four or so. But you look all the other ones. Numbers chapter 9. 
and verse 2. Let the children of Israel. Chapter 9 verse 2. And let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. What's the appointed time? On the 14th day of this month at twilight. You shall keep it at its appointed time according to all its rites and ceremonies. You shall keep it. So everything, every single thing that pertains to 14, all the ceremonies and everything, everything's got to happen on 14. Not on 15. On 14. That's what the Bible says. Numbers 28. Let's move along. Numbers 28. Verse 16. On the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. And on the 15th day of this month is the feast. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. There is always distinctions in the Bible. Two feast days, two feast days, two feast days. Not just one is blurring to the other one. Never. God says there are always two feast days. One and the other one. And the last one I'll give in Joshua. Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 10. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain. What day? After the Passover. You see, there is always separations. There are always two different days when God is speaking about. Not two the same day combined in one single holiday, okay? They're always two different days. So, in Exodus, the same thing happened. On the 14th, at the beginning of 14, when they put the blood on the doorpost and killed the lamb, later through the night, when the angel killed the, first, the, the, the firstborn of Egyptians, during the day, when they get up from their homes and pack all the belongings, whatever they could, they will start traveling to Ramses. They meet at the Ramses, and at the beginning of the first day of 11 bread, that's where they actually get from Egypt, and they're and the, and the marching through Sukkot, that was the first destination. There's no confusion in the Bible at all, brethren. No confusion at all. So, let's move on now. And if you think that all this Exodus story can happen one single night, then I just don't see it logistically and from, from the organizational point of view. I just, they wouldn't have enough time to gather so many people along. Give them all the instructions, travel at night. From the land of Goshen, it's a big land, part of land. And they were living all over the place. And get to Ramses at the same time. So, but I'm open for discussion. After, after my sermon later, I'm open for discussion. So now, in Exodus chapter, just go back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, and I'll show you a scripture here. So let's start from the same verse, from verse 37. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. And that just not, it's not just that. And the next part it says, A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks, and herds, and a great deal of livestock. Every, so there were the Egyptians probably traveling with Israelites, because they learned over all this time 
that God of Moses is bigger than their God. So we see how difficult it would be to organize such a crowd. We have a problem to organize, you know, let's say meal for 100, 200 people. Forget about, you know, 2 and 3 million people to get them going in the same night. But let's read it. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provision for themselves. And verse 40, I want you to pay attention to verse 40. Now the surgeon of the children of Israel who left in Egypt, and this is a very important word, was 430 years. It was 430 years in verse 41. And it came to pass, and it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Not day early, not day late, on the very same night, they all came from Egypt. And in verse 51, God repeats himself, he says, and it came to pass on that very same night that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. What is God talking about? What the same night? What the same night is he relating to? It's going all back to Genesis now. It's going all back. The Passover feast is going all back to Genesis. If you go to Genesis chapter 15, the Passover feast didn't start in Exodus chapter 12. Go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 15. And look verse 17. And it came to pass, when the sun went down, and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Verse 18. Verse 18. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, on the same day. You see, God remembers everything. What God promised here, we'll go to some details a little bit later, but what God promised here, he delivered us on the same day exactly in Exodus chapter 12. 430 years later, to the date, to the hour, to the minute, no late and no early. You with me? I hope, hope, hope hopefully nobody is lost here. But let's see. Let's get the whole context of this Abram covenant here. Okay? Let's get the whole context so we don't get confused. So, so far, we covered the New Testament. Now we covered the Exodus story from chapter 12. Now, we, now we're moving to Abraham. Because it's all related. We can't separate them. It's all related. So we have to look at everything before we make a judgment. So Genesis chapter 14. Let's start there. And we all know we covered it in the last Bible study when we were talking about Melchizedek. Okay? When Lot was kidnapped, he was taken in all his possessions. Right? And Abram in verse 11. Genesis 14 verse 11. He says, Then they took all the gods all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their provision, and went their way. And they also took Lot, Abram's brother, son who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And we know what happened. In verse 14, Now when Abraham heard that his brothers were taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants, who were born in his own house, and went in pursuit as far as then. He rescued Lot, and he rescued all these belongings. And, it, and you know, guess what happened along the way when he came? Right before the evening time, 
at the twilight. Okay, I will prove it to you. At the twilight. Look what happened in verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, what did he bring? He brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And we can debate who was Melchizedek now. Was he Christ? Well, he wasn't Christ. But if you connect the story to the Passover, he was almost like Christ. And I think he was Christ. And look what happened. Bread and wine. Okay? And you know, let's go to precise to the timing now. We need to establish the time. What time it happened. Now, forget the chapter break. Chapter doesn't mean anything in the Bible. After he had bread and wine in chapter 15 at verse 1, look what it says. After these things, what things? After the bread and wine, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Okay? It's a promise from God to Abram after bread and wine. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer, I can, all, I can never pronounce this name properly, of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring, indeed no one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So he had bread and wine, follow the timing. Verse 5, follow the timing. Verse 5, then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars. What time of day is that? To see the stars, you've got to be night, right? So that's the late 14. That's the late AD 14. He had bread and wine right after sunset. Now it's during the night, okay? During the night, he's counting the stars. And he said to him, Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it for him for righteousness. And God says to Abraham, Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of war of Chaldeans to give, you this, to give you this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that thou will inherit it? There is a promise, but it's come fulfillment later. There is a promise. He's waiting for fulfillment. And look what God says to him. You know, God says in verse 9, So he said to him, Bring me a tree of hyper, a tree of female gold, and a tree of ram, and a turtle dove, and an ant pigeon. That's the next day, the Passover, the day part of the Passover day. Okay? Bring me a sacrifice. There is exact timing that we need to follow. Okay? Bring me a sacrifice. And then he brought, verse 10, Then he brought all this to him, and cut them in two, down the middle, and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And verse 11. And the vultures came down on the carcasses. Abram drove them away. And you know, I explained last year what happened during this specific covenant. What was not so popular. But yes, it was done in a Mideastern tradition. They would cut. They would agree to some contract. Two parties would agree to a contract. Then they would they cut animals in half. Just put them on the ground. Split open. And they would walk between the two halves. And they would swear to each other that we will be obligated to perform the, the obligations that we promised to each other. If we don't do it, what we promise, that's what's going to happen to us. We're going to cut in half, and we're going to be dead. 
So that's what is God saying to Abraham, okay? Bring me all the sacrifices, okay? And now, look verse 12. We gotta watch the timing. Timing is important, okay? Watch the timing. Verse 12. Now when the sun was going down, it can't be the same day the sun is going down twice, right? So there was a Passover day, right at the beginning of AB 14. Now we're moving to the first day of unleavened bread. After the Passover day, we're coming to the first day of unleavened bread. When the sun was going down, look what happened. A deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And you can go to the New Testament and see what happened when Christ was crucified. At the sixth hour, what happened? There was a total darkness on this earth. Just exactly what happened to Abraham. To the date. Okay? To the hour. Not early, not late. Exactly, precisely at the same time. And look what happened then. Then he said to Abraham, Most certainly. And he makes a promise to Abraham. On the first day of unleavened bread, he makes a promise. He says, No certainly. That your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation who they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possession. Now as for you, you shall go to your father in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the four generations they shall return here, for the inequity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And verse 17, when this thing happened, what date is it? Is it the day before Passover? No, on the first day of unleavened bread, it came to pass, when the sun went down, and it was a total darkness, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. In verse 18 it says, On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with everyone, saying, goes back all the way to Exodus 12. What God promised, God fulfilled. What Christ promised during his last supper, he fulfilled by sacrificing himself. What God promised to Abraham, he says, cut the two pieces, prepare a sacrifice. He, he, he fulfilled this commitment by burning the pieces together, okay? And later, when you read here, it says, Abraham was fall asleep when God consumed the sacrifices. What happened? Abraham didn't walk between the pieces. So God, God is saying to Abraham, you know what, I'm not going to hurt you accountable, because I know you're not going to be able to keep this covenant with me. But I promise, I will walk between the, the, the pieces, and I promise that I will fulfill everything what I just said. And God confirmed it to Abraham by burning the two pieces. The, heaven came from he- the, 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 the fire came from heaven and consumed. And that's not just, just the first time. We can see the same thing happen when they had in tabernacle, and the consecration of tabernacle. And the same thing happened in the temple, when they, or they, when they dedicated the temple. It's nothing new, brethren. It's nothing new. But you see how everything is precisely according to God's timing. Everything is to God's timing. When talking about the 13 and 15 and night to be much observed, people always get confused. Oh, night to be much observed should be day early. Oh, you know, Passover should be day late. Why we keep destiny? Why we keep that? And we, all kind of excuses. And they try to debate from the Exodus chapter 12, like when did all this thing happen, when they could, and how long they, they, they you know, they cook the lamb, and how, how long it would to travel, and how it was dark, or doesn't matter. Connect the pieces, what Abraham did, what Christ did, and you know, of all the people that had to something say about precise timing, I would say Christ has got the most authority than anybody else. It was he who actually gave us the instructions how to keep the holiday. It was he who keep the day exactly at the same appointed time that he promised, that he wrote in the Bible. 
So is there any confusion, brethren? I hope I try to explain my best, best English I can, just to see in the, you know, in Exodus story, the precise timing, how it's go from sunset to sunset. We're talking about a few days in a row, right? All right. So, let's move on here. The most confusion that people confuse, okay? Let me tell you this. When people are, most, most people are confused, they think that the Christ dead on the cross needs to be matched with the sacrifice of the lamb that took at the place of the temple. They said, it's got to match. It's got to be at the same day. No. It doesn't need to be on the same day. And I will show you, the Jews keep the Passover on the wrong day. And it's not just, you know, it's, it's, it's in the sources, historical sources, all over the place. Christ kept the day on the right day. They kept the day on the wrong day. But we'll go there soon. So actually, let's go to historical sources. Just, just go to the fourth point. So, Encyclopedia Judaica. Just write it down, you can check on me. Encyclopedia Judaica, okay, admits that Jews had fused the two observances and now keep the Passover day late on the 15th, observing it along with the first day of unleavened bread. And I quote, The feast of Passover consists of two parts, the Passover ceremony and the feast of unleavened bread. Originally, originally, both parts existed separately. But at the beginning of the exile, they were combined. They don't know exactly the point when they were combined, but something somewhere, something happened, okay? So that was from Encyclopedia Judaica. Now, uh, let's look at the Universal Jewish Encyclopedia. Was the Christ the only person and his disciple who kept the Passover at the beginning of 14? Was he the only one? Okay, look what the Encyclopedia, Universal Jewish Encyclopedia, what it says about it. It says, under the article, Pascal Lamb, it explained, the Pharisees and Sadducees had a dispute as to the time when the slaughtering should take place. The former held it should be in the last three hours before sunset at the end of 14, and the later between sunset and nightfall, and those at the beginning of 14. Always a debate. Not just about the Passover, about the Pentecost. Every single time, there was a debate. And I think Christ gave us a full explanation. When should, when should we keep those feasts? I want you something very interesting in the Bible that caught my attention. God says, these are my feasts, right? Always God says, this is my feast. Look what John, look what John writes about Passover. Let's go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Look what he says in verse 13. Christ's disciple, he says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Why he would write something like that? It was the Lord's feast. And John is writing, Now was the Passover of the Jews at hand, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Oh, maybe they kept it at the wrong time. Is it possible? Yes. I'm not saying it is, but it's a possibility, right? John 6. John 6, verse 4. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. 
Again, it's the Lord's feast. Why would John write something like that? It's the Jews' feast. There was confusion. Which day should we keep it? What date is the right day? Let me tell you something I just found a few days ago when I was doing the preparation for this message. You know what Christ fulfilled? There was another sacrifice in the temple that nobody talks about it. Everybody missed it. Because the only thing they think is just Passover lamp. And it's called in Hebrew, it's called in Hebrew, Tamit, sacrifice, T-A-M-I-D. And if you wonder what it is, it was a daily sacrifice that was happening in the temple on a daily basis, no matter what. Every single day was the morning sacrifice and was the evening sacrifice. Morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. And you go to any Jewish source, it says, what does it mean? They will explain to you that nothing could happen in the Jewish religious life in the temple before they sacrificed the morning sacrifice. And nothing was going on when the evening sacrifice was, was sacrificed in the temple. So everything happened just between these two sacrifices. That's how important it was. Okay, That's how important these two sacrifices were on the Jewish, for the Jewish people. And it wasn't just the sacrifice. At the same time, in the morning sacrifice, in the evening sacrifice, it was a time for prayer. In the temple, and publicly, the Jews were, that was their praying time. And you can see, like in books of Acts chapter 3 and 1, the first Christians, they pray at the same time, at the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. They pray at the same time, okay? Just go to Exodus, I will not show you the wording about the sacrifice, what God commanded them. Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 29, and in verse 38. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs, okay, nothing else, two lambs, of the first year, day by day, continually. Day by day, continually. One lamb shall be offered in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, when the one lamb shall be one ten of an ephah or a flower mixed with whatever, you know, with wine. And also a wine offering that would come with this offering, okay? Why is it important? The morning was in the morning and the water was in the evening. And how it relates to the New Testament? Just go to Mark, I will show you what happened when Christ was crucified. At what timing, okay? So basically what the Jews said, that morning and evening sacrifice, they said... That was the Alpha, and that was the Omega in a Greek language. Christ would say, I am the Alpha, and I am the Omega. I am the beginning, I am the end. And the same sacrifice, whether were happening at the temple, Christ fulfilled them to the minute. Okay? Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. Why would Mark give us all the little details like that? Mark chapter 15 and verse 25. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. You know what happened at the third hour in the temple? That's what the lamb was sacrificed. Exactly at the same time. And when Christ died later, Mark uh, 34... And at nine hour, Jesus cried, cried out with a loud voice, 
And he cried to God, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some who stood by when they heard it say, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on the reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. That was exactly the same time when the other lamb was sacrificed in the temple. That's how precise it is. And look what happened then when he cried out. Look what happened then in the temple, exactly at the same time. In verse 38. So the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Nothing happened by accident. And if you ever wonder, like I was, I was wondering what they would pray for. So this is not a proven 100% fact. But they're pretty sure. You know, the Jews had 18 benedictions. I don't know if you are aware. They have like 18 benedictions that each prayer in the morning and in the evening. That's the prayers that they would recite. And apparently they claimed that that was exactly what was happening during the temple, during the Christ time. Okay? So, what would, what would they pray for? Let's say like benediction 7, they would pray for, for redemption. Look at the wording of the prayer, how they would pray. Look upon our affliction and plead our cause, and redeem us speedily for your name's sake, for you are a mighty redeemer. Blessed are you, O Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. Look up, what about this? According to the Jewish tradition, at the morning and evening sacrifice, the Jews in the temple would have been praying for forgiveness of sin. Okay? Forgiveness of sin. He would say, Forgive us, our Father, for we have sinned. Pardon us. O our King, for we have transgressed, for we pardon and forgive. Blessed are you, O Lord, who is merciful and always ready to forgive. That we did the benediction six. The same Jewish tradition, at the same time, morning evening sacrifice, they would pray for the coming of the Messiah, exactly at the same time, okay? And they would pray, speedily cause the offspring of your servant David to flourish. Let him be exalted by your saving power, for we wait all day long for your salvation. Blessed are you, O Lord, who causes salvation to flourish. That was one of the another benedictions that they will recite at the same time as they will sacrifice the Lamb. In another one, they will pray for the resurrection of the dead. That was one of the another benedictions. They will say, O you, O Lord, are mighty forever. You revive the dead, and you have the power to save. You sustain the living with loving kindness. You revive the dead with great mercy. And you support the falling, heal the sick, set free the bound, and keep faith with those who sleep in the dust. Who resembles you, a king who puts to death and restores to life and causes salvation to flourish. You are, the, you, you are certain to revive the dead. Blessed are you, O Lord, who revives the dead. That was just another benediction. And if you go through it, it's just mind-blowing. How everything was fulfilled exactly at the perfect timing where God ordained a long time ago. So, brethren, in conclusion, you know, we can talk about details for all day long. But I hope I'll just give you just the overflow, you know, like what's happening, right? How everything matched exactly at the appointed time with God ordained to. And, Ryan, if you can put the last slide on the, on the screen, please. So we'll see the match. I missed it? No? Now there should be one more. Which summarize all of them together, no? 
So you can see it. There is no confusion. Everything, everything happened to God's will and everything happened to God's timing. From Abram covenant, at the 14th of evening, that would Abraham would partake with Melchizedek with bread and wine. On the day of, the day of 14, Abraham would prepare a sacrifice and God would make the covenant. He would burn the pieces right at the evening of the sunset of the first day of unleavened bread. You see, ancient Israelites, they killed the lamb and put all the doorposts exactly at the same timing at the evening of 14. Okay? The next, during the day, they spoiled the Egyptians and they marched and they marched along the way to Ramses. Okay? And the, and the next night, they leave Egypt, south day that is described in the scripture. Exactly the same day that God burned the pieces of the covenant. And the same night Christ, he had his last supper on the evening of 14. He was crucified at the, at the end of the day, of the Passover day. He was crucified. And, and his body was taken down from the cross just right before the first day of unleavened bread. There is no confusion in the scripture, brethren. Never was. So what I was hoping to accomplish today, then from now on, don't confuse each other with this nonsense. When should we keep this holiday? Okay? Of all the people, we should be the one who know the truth and know how to apply it. And it's not it doesn't matter. Some people say, oh, it just doesn't matter. If you keep it on Sunday, we keep it on Monday. It does matter, because it matters to God. God didn't do it day ahead or day later. They did it exactly at the timing that he prescribed. And look at the other part, brethren, for us. For us, you know, as a followers of Christ. If Christ, if God can perform all the promises that he made to Abraham, starting from Genesis, to all the way to the book of Matthew or Luke, what kind of faith we should have in our God? When I read like this, when I put all these pieces together in this book, my heart rejoiced so much. Because you know what? We worship God who is very faithful. Not for the late. He comes when he comes, according to his timing, according to his way. So brethren, when we come together tomorrow, have the strong faith. Don't be confused. Be thankful to God what he has done to all of us. All of us, through all our years, our unfaithfulness, God says, I'm not going to hold you responsible just like Abraham. But, I'll get you as my children. And what I want to do in my last moment just, you know, if I did ever something from here, that I, you know, cause you to feel, how to say it in a nice way. If I offended you, whatever I said from this place, it was never ever my intention. If I ever did to you, I just want to apologize now, just before the Passover day. I love you all. I respect you all. And I have great regard for every single one of you. From young people to old people. And I'm so thankful for all of you. And I'm so thankful for this Burlington Church. And just give me so much joy. So brethren, whatever we have to do, just come. God will be there. He will never be late. Okay? You'll never be late or before. You'll come on time. And you, just be there. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, 
visit our website at cgiburlington.org.